everyone, and welcome to episode 127 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We have three segments for you this week. Uh, kicking the show off, Don has an interview with Louis Pugh, who is developing Twisted Fusion for the Wii U eShop. Uh, after that, myself and Don get together to talk about Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. And closing the show out, myself, Alex, and Addison have a final post-mortem discussion of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new developer interview. It has been a while. The last one has been in November. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have mentioned that. It's way too long ago. <laughs> um, but we have a new guest, and I'm happy to have a new guest. We have here Lewis, and I already forgot your last <laughs> name. It's uh, Lewis Pugh. Lewis Pugh, thank you so much. No problem. Um, you are uh, a small developer, um, a one-man studio, um, who was developed for his own company called Lucian. Um, like I do in every interview, I do first give a chance for the guest to like introduce himself um, and let the world know a bit about his background. Uh, so without further ado, uh, please do the honours. Yeah, certainly. As you said, my yeah, my name is Lewis Pugh and my developer handle is Lucian. And I've mainly been making mobile games games for iPhones, Androids, uh, Windows Phone and iPad and so on for the last eight or so years. Uh, basically since Apple introduced the App Store I've kind of been on that scene because it seemed like a really fun thing to do. However, uh, my, my, you know, my, my real heart has always been with Nintendo and Nintendo consoles so I've always secretly wanted to make a, uh, a game for a Nintendo console. And thankfully, kind of, you know, the, the planets have aligned and, you know, Nintendo's strategic strategies have um, kind of formulated, and which is made this possible now. Uh, and so I'm working on a, a, a an exclusive Wii U game uh, called Twisted Fusion, uh, which is going to be uh, launching on a Kickstarter very soon. And in fact, it might already be live by the time you're listening to this. Hmm. Intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know. So if, yeah. if this if this goes live there two weeks later, you should possibly you go check it out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's already been submitted to the Kickstarter people, as it were. Oh, great. Yeah. So they're gonna. It apparently takes a couple of days for them to approve it. So basically, as soon as that comes back to me, I'm gonna say, yep, put that live and put out the good word. Uh, but now, hopefully, when you're listening to this, it, it should already be up there. Fantastic. Uh, so before we go, like in the main discussion, and we'll get to back also back to the Kickstarter a little bit later here. Um, so, like you mentioned, you have ma- made games for mobile platforms. Uh, what are some of those highlights, and what made you intrigued about game development anyway? Okay, um, the highlights from the my mobile scene. I think the most similar game uh, to what I'm making now is a game which shares somewhat of a similar name, which is a game called Twisted Fates. Um, it shares some of the similar characters and similar enemies and even some similar environments. Um, however, it was kind of one of my uh, earlier iPhone games. Uh, I believe it was kind of when the iPhone 3G was out. It was before uh, Game Center was a thing and opened faint and there were some other, other, <laughs> other big gaming platforms, as it were, third-party ones, which yeah. you could hook into for achievements and so on. And it, it used them and that was a, a cool but uh, you know, buzzword thing to include at the time, and and that was like a a, a kind of a traditional platformer type game, and had the little uh, virtual D-pad and two buttons, and 
it was kind of like a like a nice adventure game, uh, and you travel through different environments, and you uh, basically you defeat enemies with these uh, water guns you have, which is a similar trait to my upcoming game on the Wii U. Um, after that, I realised that the iPhone and so on aren't the best platforms for that type of experience, and that's when I started crafting more like more puzzle type games, and I made auto runner games and. Um, Games where you don't need a virtual D-pad and you, you can kind of swipe and you can use actions kind of more uh, at home on those those platforms. And those sort of games I made were, uh, the I made a couple of water runners, one's called Project Run, one's called uh, Super Cora Bolt. And on the puzzle side I've made a, some kind of a block type games, this one called uh, Chipper's Tea Party. And it has this kind of nice borrowed mode, oddly enough, uh, from a what I consider from Kid Icarus Uprising, whereas <laughs> you know that game has that difficulty slider. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Basically, I borrowed that mechanic, and so <laughs> before each game, you can turn up the difficulty as much as you want or as little, and you get rewarded more depending on how difficult um, you you set the the game to be, and depending on how uh, how difficult it is, you get rewarded more. And with that reward, with that reward, you can buy things in the game, uh, and it's this kind of vicious addictive cycle which worked out pretty well so yeah I've, I've always looked for nintendo for inspiration so you started small went big and now you're going big again yeah definitely so yeah i've got my sights on the wii u now and uh, i actually got hold of a wii u dev kit about six months ago which was oh, wow. which was incredibly exciting for me and and since then i've been completely focused on uh making this upcoming project and i'm i'm just kind of really Please, I can actually start talking to people about this. I didn't want to start too early and kind of let you know excitement or whatever about the project just kind of dissipate. So it's cool just to be able to talk about it now to people. There is something you mentioned this in in the mail thread we had, and this that the old games and the new games kind of like bend something together, and that you had like a female lead called um, Cora. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but how did she like came to be, and what is the upset for this in her new in this new adventure? Well, I'm not, I can't even remember way back when Cora came around. Um, but but she she yeah she's she's kind of become my like my Mario per se. So if if I think of a game mechanic um, or a cool game idea, um, I kind of think uh, focus more on how I make that into a game and then when I need a character I normally bundle Cora into the place um, and it just saves time having to worry about kind of more so a story True. or anything to do that um, if it's like one of these kind of offshoot type games and yeah so she's kind of, kind of this little mascot for Lucian as it were uh, so yeah she's this uh, redhead woman and yeah, in this game, she takes more of a, a story-driven role, which is pretty cool. And it's quite quite a tongue-in-cheek story. It's, it's pretty fun. So what is this tongue-in-cheek story? <laughs> so basically, um, her and a, a couple of friends, in short, get teleported uh, via a portal into this strange and wonderful world. And at the time, they happen to have a, a set of water, water pistols with them. And by sure coincidence, they end up in this world which is uh, being uh, 
kind of overruled by these vicious creatures. And yeah, by complete coincidence, their main weakness is water. And so they can use their water guns to uh, defeat the enemies which are causing trouble on the worlds. And they they work with the villagers there. And they find out that kind of the whole world almost revolves around the lack of water on this planet. And so it uses lots of interesting puzzle mechanics uh, involving water and uh Beyond your water guns, you end up getting things like uh, water balloons you can throw in there, like these garden sprinklers you can you can uh, deploy, and uh, like and uh, wait for enemies to go across them and um, other cool little okay. things like that. So you pitch the game as a as an open world action platformer. That's that's a kind of a broad term. It is. Uh, um, so if you are able to, could you give like an elevator pitch, like more of an expanded pitch of how the game will pan out? Yeah, certainly. I think the term Metroidvania kind of gets branded about quite a lot, especially in times where it's not entirely true. Um, So I wanted to avoid that in my game because I'm not trying to recreate a Metroid experience. But what this game is, is a continuous world where you can essentially run from one end to the other without going to a map screen or or so on. Uh, And you can tackle the game in different segments so you could... Uh, You can do uh, one part of the game before you do another part. And, yeah, you essentially can go to, you know, one end to another without warping. Uh, But in addition to that, there's also these ongoing systems in place. There's a day and night system, which not only, you know, changes how the game looks, but stronger enemies will come out at night. Um, You'll find um, different items will appear in the day. But also in terms of weather, when the the rare occasion where it is raining in the world, the enemies will be weakened by the rain, but this will also make them enraged and make them angrier and make their attacks stronger. Yeah. So it can make the same environment play quite differently, uh, depending on the random chance of what's happening in the the world at the, at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can, you can backtrack and you can explore um, areas which you couldn't of the the first time round, but none of that's actually needed to progress through the story so, of the game. So you can complete the game like without too many stumbling blocks. That's right. Yeah, you can essentially you could play it um, pretty much like a, a standard platformer. Uh, just keep on going to the next area, and then the next area, and then the next area. Uh, but it is completely open to you know tread back for, for a little bit and do some extra exploration, which you wouldn't have been able to do before pretty cool uh so an essential part you kind of touched upon it a little is the day and night and weather system um so will this only happen naturally or are there ways that you can kind of influence this um and do we have other like examples of how the system is being used yeah sure i mean you you eventually earn some abilities where you can influence the system uh, and it's more so to do with again with water which is a big uh, lack of a better term, element about the game. Mm-hmm. So you you can at a certain point you can cause it to rain, or you can focus um, rain at a certain area to help you solve a puzzle, or to help if you deliberately want to weaken enemies, if, um, and you don't mind them in range, you can do things like that, um, or you can use that to fill empty pools. Um, but in addition to what else you can do on the on the weather system. There's different types of weather when you're in the icy environment. 
obviously um, you can get snow and in in a similar way your your water shots can freeze onto the the side of icy blocks and you can use them as platforms to move around as well okay so it there's a big like puzzle focus with those better elements in place really um which makes like that aspect of it also really important um so another important part of the game is the well another part of the wii u rather is the wii u gamepad and i was wondering if you are going to use it for anything particular yeah i've got, I've got a couple of modes planned now um the main I'm not sure it's going to be the main mode or not, but yeah, I do a couple of configurations plan. Of course, you can also play the game off TV modes. Um, okay, yeah. There's also going to be the least exciting of them, but there's going to be a mode where you can switch it off, like in Donkey Kong Country. I thought it'd be nice to just give people that option. If they want to save that battery, they can have that. But there's also uh, this third mode where you can essentially have these bunch of widgets on your touchscreen. Okay. And it kind of implements... Uh, a smartphone or a tablet device which or uh yeah a smartphone that Cora has in her pocket and you have like a widget for the weather and it's with that you can see like a forecast and so what would norm- normally seem like a uh, a random change of weather you can uh somewhat predict uh when the weather's going to change and so on and you also have a clock there to see about the the day and night and you can see when it's going to tick over okay um so so it will progress like um, naturally as you progress through the game. That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. And and that's pretty much it. So there are widgets for the game. There's often if you play, A, you can switch the controller off if you want to. Okay, cool. Um, so for the game, currently you're planning a Kickstarter. Um, how will you try to convince people on the proof of concept and... What can the backers expect when they decide to support you? Yeah, certainly. So, when the Kickstarter goes live, obviously I've got a uh, a project page that I've put together. It's got a nice trailer of the game, um, and obviously, which you wouldn't have been able to see so far. Uh, obviously, you can see the game in uh, in motion, and you can see the well, not see, but you can hear the music which goes along with the game. Um, I've also got some really cool. Uh, not only concept arts, but kind of profile arts of core and the different environments involved. And in terms of uh, like different rewards people can expect when they're pledging, um, the, the very minimum goal. I mean, all the goals include a copy uh, of the eShop game itself. And, That's good. And, and it's a fairly low pledge as well to get hold of that. Uh, and beyond that, there's I've got kind of the standard sort of thing where. If you go up a little bit higher, you can get things like a wallpaper pack for like smartphones and tablets, as long as a digital copy of the soundtrack, um, which the game does have a pretty cool soundtrack, uh, okay. which you'll be able to get a glimpse into when the trailer goes up. Uh, but beyond that, there's also going to be early beta access, so you can trial the game out on the PC before it comes out. And um, I've also got these quite exciting rewards where you can design a, an NPC for the game. Oh, so either you can like put like send a photo of yourself, or like if you happen to have like a like a, a, a character that you you have already, uh, you can send that across, and you know they'll they'll appear in the game, and they have a, a a bit of the personality that you you said they will, and you know they will look and have that have the name that you've 
decided for them. Um, and in the same way, but as one of the more complex goals is it lets uh, the pledger design a, a new enemy. But obviously there's a lot of work which go, goes into that, so that is one of the higher ones. Yeah, that's also a bit trickier, I can imagine. It is, yeah, because not only is it like like the the look, there's loads of animations to of enemies, um, obviously just walking around, attacking, being destroyed, being hurt, all that sort of thing. And we've got to work out like behaviours for them and where they're going to fit and do they kind of sit along with the other type of enemies and so on. But yeah, we've got lots of cool different options available. Excellent. I um, I'm very interested in an NPC option now, yeah. so I might look into it. Awesome. You have already you already intrigued me. Oh, you already fantastic. Proved, you already proved yourself with, with your Kickstarter. Yeah, that's that, already a success. And it, it's not like a a silly goal that one. That's uh, in my opinion, that's a, a fairly reasonable lower tier uh, one to create an NPC because I think a lot of people have fun with that. And there's because it's an open world, well, open platformer game. It's going to be a big expanse of land, and there's going to be lots of villages and so on where people can hang out. Excellent. So enough for people that might be interested in the game to check it out. Maybe watch the trailer, because at a point of time I have not seen only screenshots of the game. So I'm very excited to see that myself. So I will be looking forward to that Kickstarter page. Yeah. But one of, um, one of those screenshots did have a jetpack, <laughs> which which I knew was a NWR favorite, so I made sure that was in there. Oh, of course, we love the jetpack. <laughs> As evidently clear in all of our lists. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we, that should also be the character, the the the, the art for this uh, segment, really. Um. Another answer I'm like interesting here. You kind of touched upon it before. Um, is that you're again you're bringing the game to the Wii U. Have you spoken much with Nintendo about your ideas and how they're kind of to, to work with? So, I mean, to be completely honest, I mean, Nintendo... Hmm, it's, it's a bit hard to describe, because they they have a kind of, in my opinion, they have a very hands-off approach, which is good. Hmm, that's that's great, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they have initial kind of... They ask, what you know, what sort of content you're going to be creating, and, I, you know, I sent across the things, and, they, you know, they said they look good, and they had no problems with that. Um... And thankfully, I've not really had to approach them in in terms of technical questions or anything too much to do with that on that side of thing. Um, both, you know, the developer kit and the, the software um, I'm using to create uh, the game for it, it's all been going smoothly so far. Um, so I guess in that sense, it's it is really quite cool working on it. I was expecting it to be a lot more tricky than it was, uh, especially just kind of jumping from a like a um, mo- from the mobile platforms onto you know a more traditional de- you know development. Yeah, scene. so it's it's so it's very easy for you to to get something done. Yeah. with the Wii U development kit. Yeah, so I'll, without saying too much, I'm kind of working on a more slim down version of the kit, which is for it's only for like the the web framework and. Uh, well, but just for the web framework, it's not for the Unity stuff. And so I, I'm, the game is being coded in HTML5 for the Nintendo web framework. But e- even with that, it's running at a nice, smooth uh, 60 frames. Um, I'm currently doing that on 720, but it also does it in uh, 1080 and 60 frames, perfectly fine, handling loads and loads and loads of sprites at the same time. Um, and it's absolutely blast to um, just kind of chuck things at and... 
it's it's really nice just to work with a really powerful machine when I'm used to working on the limitations of mobile. We're still kind of waiting for like a whole bunch of like HTML5 games, and it seems that like that's a trend that we'll, we'll be seeing shortly on Wii U. But it, it seems like very exciting that you're kind of embracing that and seeing how it will go for you. Yeah, definitely. I'd be very surprised if we don't see a real upsurge in HTML5 games purely for just the fact that they can be ported onto it so easily um, because it's such a standard language and even if it's not the language which is native to someone's game it's something where there's there's so mi- there's so much middle tier nowadays which you can port your code to html5 because it's such a standard uh, and with that um, i've been able to get pretty much any sort of well most html5 code just running on the, the wii u with very little alteration so yeah, I, I, there's there's no reason why people can't port their games across to it. It's really quite exciting. Fantastic to hear. Um, so we're kind of coming to this interview to a close, and that's very sad for me. Maybe sad for <laughs> you. Um, but is there anything that we haven't discussed that you that you want to mention, or is there anything you kind of want to close on? Um, yeah, what I'd like to close on this is. I'm, I'm because I'm hitting Kickstarter. This I'm hoping um, the kind of the Nintendo community will embrace this in terms of it. I've kind of gone out of the way to make it a like a it's a Wii U exclusive game, and I, I really I really think it looks at home and it, it feels at home on the Wii U on a Nintendo console. And I, I hope if there's people out there who don't you know who are you know looking for you know cool games to play on their system will check this out because it is an exclusive game which will only ever come out for the Wii I will not port this to any other system and um, yeah so do please check out that check out the Kickstarter um, watch the trailer um, have a little read over the the page itself and see if it is a game that you would like and if it looks like it would be a game then yeah please do play some money there are some really cool goals associated with it and um, yeah it's Hopefully you have a blast of it. Um, I'm having real fun making it so far. Do you have any like planned date for it to have it finished if the Kickstarter is successful? Yeah, I do. Um, the planned date is actually for December of this year. So yeah, Look, that's that's pretty soon actually. Yeah, so yeah, I have been working on it for uh, six months. I mean, a lot of that has been working on just an engine for it, um, but because it's using uh, kind of the foundation which was put towards on Twisted Fates. Uh, there's a lot of assets which are kind of being reused uh, just on a high resolution. Uh, a lot of that work's already been done. And um, so, yeah. So this game will be out by the end of the year as, as long as it's been successfully funded. Well, ho- hopefully it will. Yeah. I, I can. Im- I can- hopefully that. <laughs> I hope at least that Nintendo fans are like, yeah, this is only coming to the Wii U. Definitely, I will support it because uh, the most of the Kickstarters I've seen really um, have been solely focusing on like these multiple platform releases, and this is a solely a Wii U project. This is only coming to the Wii U. Um, I hope it goes well for you. I really do. Um, and let us let us know if you have anything more to tell. It's always exciting to to hear from new people coming to the Wii U. And again, 
uh, let's make the best of it. Oh, fantastic. Actually, there was there was one final thing about the game, if that was okay. Um, one of the, well, the final stretch goal is basically a game within itself, which is called 21 Days. And again, it uses Korra as the main character, uh, but it puts her in a completely different world, a more lifelike world, and she swaps her dual water pistols to dual uh, katanas. And it's quite a different game. It it kind of uses that base open platformer engine and uses it for a de- very different reason. And it, its main inspiration is uh, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. So yeah, it has this... In both in kind of themes, so it has this dark uh, and gritty and just kind of a bit moody and a bit weird and unsettling feel to it. Uh, and you you go around and you help you help also helping people with their side quests. Uh, but the main thing it has in common, it has this constant doom clock in place. Uh, but instead of three days, it is three weeks, which makes the 21 days. Uh, and because that is quite a lot of time to manage with, where the Wii U gamepad comes in handy is where you can use that bottom screen as a, essentially an organiser, and you've got your diary there at all times, uh, I guess kind of like the bomber's notebook. And you can uh, check appointments and you can mark them down. And you can um, you can also kind of plot your journeys because you can travel around the world as well. In uh, in Earth itself, it's set in a post fantasy world, and and so that's a kind of a really fun stretch goal to set out quite far. Um, if, if it if it does go beyond that, that would be an incredibly fun project to work on. I I I that sounds really awesome. <laughs> yeah. that, that 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 stretch goal needs to happen. Is that, is that much higher than your initial goal? Um, unfortunately, that one is quite a bit. Um, I'm, um, if it gets close, I'm not sure what the rules are of, of um, flexing that one afterwards. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite a bit higher than initial goal. The way the way I've done it is I made the initial goal as basically as real small as possible. It covers you know the absolute uh, raw costs um and and that's it <laughs> yeah so so this is pretty much a love project so it is a really love uh, a love project it's probably at least to my knowledge it's probably one of the the smallest uh, initial funding games uh, which has a the Wii U and as a stretch goal well it, it's pretty much the main focus so it's not necessarily a stretch goal but it, it's it's a love project it is yeah um so yeah but it would be awesome to have that as well but We'll see where it goes. Um, it could go either way, but hopefully it goes the right <laughs> way. Um, and I would be very excited to see it come to the Wii U. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. Um, so, if people want to track you down or want to come and contact you, where can they find you? Okay. Um, there's a couple of places they can find me. I also write and host for Infendo. So you can hear me weekly on the Infendo radio show. Uh, or also, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can find me with my Twitter handle, which is Luvshin, which is spelled L-E-U-V-S-I-O-N. Well, we'll make sure that there's a link for that in the show notes. Uh, if you send me that afterwards, of course. Um, then all what rests me is to thank you, and to thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you very much.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today, I'm joined by Don Koopman. Hello. Hey, we're talking again. Yes, it has been a little while, I think. Yeah, maybe a couple uh, like weeks. A, a couple of weeks now, yeah. Yeah. Um, today, we are going to be talking about a little game that Don has just recently beaten and reviewed for Nintendo World Report, uh, Professor Layton vs. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Yes. Um, the game has been out in Japan for about oh a year and a half at this point. And just released in Europe uh, today slash yesterday, and uh, also in Australia today slash yesterday. Well, in Australia, it actually released on Saturday, so today. Oh, yesterday. Oh, okay. Or so tomorrow. Today. Yeah, I don't know. Time. Timey-wimey. Um, and then in North America, it's supposed to come out sometime in 2014, so uh, hopefully we get a date for that sometime soon. Um, so this game... Um, Dom, I'm assuming, is is a uh, a pretty even mix between sort of Professor Layton gameplay and Phoenix Wright gameplay. Would you say that that's the case? Yeah. So the, what the setup is pretty much like is that it will switch every chapter between the two segmented um, gameplay options. Mm-hmm. So so when you first start start up the game, and actually before you get in the actual storyline, there are two prologues to the story. Okay. Um, and one is once again just Professor Layton gameplay, and the other is just the Phoenix Wright gameplay. And that set up set up kind of the stage for what the rest of the game will be like. Though there are somewhat different things that happen for the actual campaign in comparison to the, the prologue. Okay. Well, I just I guess my first question. I mean, I've got a lot because I you know obviously I haven't played the game. Um. But about that gameplay, would you say that it is pretty much to the quality of the the, the original games themselves? Because I guess I always worry in, in something like this where it's a crossover that maybe the gameplay that comes from both will be a little watered down or maybe not as good as we're used it's, to. It's somewhat watered down. Is uh, it? Not, not by much, um, but it's clearly somewhat easier. Okay. Um, it's clearly meant for people to... To also who never played one of either to get a full idea of what is going on. Sure. Um, that caused some problems, but it also creates like an environment that you can just enjoy the game in and have fun. Um, one thing that they do too much though, and that has been the bigger problem of mine in the review and in the preview, is that hint coins, and this is a staple of, of course, the Professor Layton series. But the hint coins are pretty much everywhere. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had too many hit, co- hit coins by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And not much, not enough opportunities to oil and use them. Right. And, and I mean, with that many hit coins, you can pretty much easily make your way through all the, the puzzles and all the, you know, yeah, the, the brain teasers. Well, it's not only the brain teasers, because one of the big changes in... The the Phoenix Wright gameplay is that you can u- now use hit hit coins too. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So if you do, I'm not sure if you should like press for more press for more or present uh, a certain amount of evidence, you can use a hit coin and it will narrow it down for you somewhat. Oh wow. Um, it will not straight up give you the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will give you the more logical conclusions to what you're actually searching for. Okay. Well, that might be why I guess they give you so many, is if you're using them in both 
both gameplays, but um, like you said, it does kind of make it a little probably probably too easy. I would imagine. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it it becomes a bit too easy for my liking. I mean, I relied at points a bit too much on the hit coins because with the puzzles, you of course have the three basic hints, and then you have a super hint which costs two hit mm-hmm. coin hint coins, and that will give you pretty much like a gigantic clue of where you of what you need to do. And with, with, again, with the professor with the Phoenix Wright gameplay, it, it pretty much gives you a hint of what you, what you need to do next. So it, it at, at moments I just didn't feel comfortable using them because it was pretty clear of what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my my only big and major gripe with the game is that it it has the potential for you to become too easy if yeah. you allow it to. Sure. Now, is the game, to me, like, it strikes me that this game should be kind of funny. I mean, you have these two very different characters coming together. Um, I mean, what's the story like? Is it is it kind of funny? I mean, does it kind of make fun of both the series? How, how do these two come together? And does it work coming together? So, in the prologue, it's it, it up like this. So, you have this girl um, called Espella Contabella, who comes from an alternate universe... Um, and this, this alternate universe is called Labyrinthia. Uh, in Labyrinthia, everything that one person writes, which is called a storyteller, comes true. And through a, ma- a matter of things that happen in both prologues, they get both sucked into like the Lamphrey Historia, that's, that's a book about the town, and get pretty much sucked into the pages. And okay. What happens at the other side is they pretty much end up in the town, and and this is where the actual like the game unfolds because um, you th- this town pretty much is a big puzzle in itself where everybody holds a puzzle or holds a key to another solution and you have to kind of figure out what they're withdrawing from you. And the other thing is it, it, it's filled with very witty characters. I uh, love them a lot, but it's also the other half of it, there are still also a lot of darker tones. And, oh, really? and these come in form of the witch trials. Um, because it, it, there are not regular trials in this universe. And you have to battle it more with logic. Um, and there's more for, less forensics also involved. Because, hey, it's, it tends you back to sort of Middle Ages sort of type. Sort of type. Sure. Um so there's a lot more thinking uh, thinking involved in whole in that entire sense. Um, you also have to prove something which is not very logically proven, because uh, witchcraft and magic pretty much really exist in this universe. But of course, none of these characters from either side have never experienced this before. Um, so it becomes kind of a, sh- a struggle in the first opening moments where you first get the real like first witch trial. And it's it becomes kind of graphic too because when you come in, um, there's already somebody convicted of being a witch, and she's pretty much cast straight into the hell's fire. And they actually showed this. Oh wow! And, and not pretty much like burning body, but it's pretty much implied that it, she, that she's thrown in the casket and then thrown into a hellfire. 
Yeah, that's kind of a, a departure, I would say, for <laughs> at least for Professor Layton. <laughs> yeah, so so there are two sides of it. There's the really witty side about it, where you meet these characters in in Labyrinthia, who are sometimes have like scenarios of you to figure out. Sometimes they're just being mysterious a bit, and then you have this darker side and undertones where these pop up and these raise some questions about um, about Labyrinthia and the mentality that they hold there. Um, because they have been afraid for a very long time about this uh, big, witch, big witch called uh, Benzella, and you will figure out stuff about her as you go along. But it is implied that at one point she put the entire town into a blazing fire. So everybody is super afraid of her, and even mentioning the name like raises fear by these people. So even by hearing the written word witches, they become scared. Um, so it, it, there is a lot of mangling of these two sides, but it's a very intriguing storyline. It's a very good written storyline. Okay. And then as far as how that storyline develops, um, how, how does the, how do the two different gameplay types come together? I mean, it's like Professor Layton solving puzzles to find like clues for Phoenix Wright to kind of use in his, uh, you know, like in the actual trials. I mean, how, how, how do they bring the two together? In opening moments, you kind of like travel together, and even when um, when like when the first trial is complete, you actually travel with Maya and Luke as a team at one point, oh. who go go for the nightly town to to search of a certain something. Um, and while they do that, they actually have to still solve the regular puzzle gameplay uh, of Professor Layton. Um, so when you are moving through town, it's pretty much straight up Professor Layton. Uh, when you are, of course, in in the core trials or have to look over evidence, it becomes the Phoenix Wright gameplay. Uh, they they keep those two separate for a very specific reason, um, and that to give the story some purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily have something against it. It would have been nice to have some more intermingling, like in the first in the first like real witch trial, like Professor Layton steps in to help. Um, Phoenix Wright, who at at that point is convinced because um, it, the town also does something weird with your memories. He's convinced that he's a baker. Okay. <laughs> and even when they when Professor Layton and him meet, he said um, he said, "Welcome, our our store makes the finest bed." Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> and that's the whole like um, objection spiel. But then in the in in a welcoming <laughs> customer for, <laughs> format. <laughs> which is which is super hilarious and witty. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, then he realizes that the that what happened in London, and everything, when he got sucked into the book, and then it becomes like back to full on real storyline. Sure. Um, but it's um, no, it's it becomes quite interesting. Though, again, a bit segmented. And then it is. Are things split pretty much 50-50 between the two, or are you kind of doing the latent stuff more, or the Phoenix Wright stuff more, or is it pretty even? It's really quite 50-50. Okay, um, That's, I had a feeling that would be the case. Yeah, so 50-50 mean, mean, means also literally 50-50, because uh, there are half of less puzzles than an Ezran Legacy. So, yeah, it pretty much makes sense. So, I do feel sometimes that like some of the puzzles rely on some certain ideas a bit too much or the, the, some ideas come back they don't annoy me uh, but it's something i've noticed okay 
And you kind of hinted at this, but would you almost say, even though this is combining two separate universes, I mean, do you think this is almost a good introduction to both? Like, if someone did not play, uh, play Professor Layton or Phoenix Wright or just, you know, one of them, would this be a good game to start out with to kind of get a sample? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. If you never played one of them before, this game pretty much tells you the ropes of both sides of it. Okay, because when you said that it's a little easier, that almost made me think, well, maybe this would be, like, even better as sort of an introduction game. Um Oh yeah, definitely. Make it a little more forgiving. Yeah, because with the another example of how it's it's a bit easier. Of course, you have the the quest testimonies where you have to go over what the people are saying in court. Um, but now in Professor Lefevre's things right during the rich trials, there are like four or five like witnesses at the same time at at the witness counter. Oh, okay. So both have a few sentences to say, and you have to figure out that way who is saying something that is somewhat weird. Uh, but but if you go and press them, it will also cause the other four or three witnesses to think about what he is saying, and then you can go back to those people and directly ask them, so are you in deep thought about something? Oh, okay. So they d- d- throw in some new mechanics with it too, which are kind of intriguing. Okay, that's cool. Um, how long would you say the game is? How long did it take you to beat it? Um, roughly 20 hours. Okay, that's pretty good, it, actually. It, it's a really lengthy game. I mean, um, a Phoenix Wright game and Professor Layton game... Well, a Phoenix Wright game lasts you a lot shorter. Um, a Professor Layton game would you take you roughly 15 hours. Um, so, yeah, for both either, regardless of how you think of it, it's actually quite a long game. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, it sounds like it. And and, and the one thing that I also need to mention is, even when you're done with those 20 hours, um, there will be also additional DLC released after the fact at launch. I was, yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that, I was reading about that. Now, I think what, the first episode's already up? Did you get the, a chance to play it, or is it not, is it not up yet? It is up, but I have not played it yet. Okay. Um, but the, it's pretty much the same straight-up um, DLC from Japan, where there were at least 12 mini-episodes, mm-hmm. um, which are kind of like their own separate thing. Yeah. And they are pretty much written by the by the Leighton and uh, Phoenix Wright directors. Yeah, that's what I was reading, yeah. And that they, they released one every week for like something like 20 weeks or something. Um or every other, maybe every other week. And I think, I think yeah. and it is implied that like Nintendo of Europe is doing the same with this. Well, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how they release it, and then how that would come to America too at some point. Um. So I don't know if I have any other specific questions. Um, I mean, apart from being a little on the easy side, I mean, it sounds like you uh, you enjoyed the game quite a bit. Oh, I did, and that's mostly because the game looks so. Really good. This was pre Phoenix Wright 5. Mm-hmm. So I can see that some people would say from that the animations of, of Phoenix Wright, for example, are a bit like like a bit more static than that it was in that game. Compared to the most recent The yeah, Alayton game. Yeah. yeah. But, but like the sheer detail that has been put in the game to give both of these like sites life, like the inter- seeing, just seeing like interacting. Um, Maya and Leighton together is just sometimes simply weird. 
because Ma- Ma- because Maya has never give has not, never had a voice before. Oh sure, yeah. Yeah, so that's also kind of a new experience, and you see him the talking with characters that shouldn't belong together, mm-hmm. but it, but it becomes kind of like really intriguing to see them talk about certain elements of how to progress for, further throughout uh, the campaign, um, which have, which is kind of exciting. And you know what works for that too is that um, even though like both are maybe kind of a little silly or exaggerated. Um, they're still both based in reality, Leighton and Phoenix, right? So it kind of makes sense that they could interact together, um, even though visually they, they look so different, because Leighton is so cartoony and, you know, and Phoenix, right, is kind of uh, more realistic looking. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's there's certainly a big difference there, but it's... For me, they did a well enough job of bringing those two styles a bit more closer to one another. I mean, it's not exactly one-on-one, it's not exactly what you expect, but it's it, it's close enough, um, and I also must say that like the cutscenes and the voice work, and the cutscenes especially shine really in 3D, um, are really well done. I love the soundtrack too; um, it has, a, has an amazing soundtrack, and you can even unlock it when you complete the game. Oh really? So you can, so you can freely listen to it and even all watch the movies again, which is really nice. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's something I've been, I enjoy in the the latent games are the cutscenes. There aren't usually many, but they're really well done. Um, what what? How do they? I mean, what kind of style are they in? Are they closer to the latent style? Is it kind of neutral? Is it is it not really one style or the other? Because I mean, latent has that very specific kind of European look to it. I feel like. Um, there are more. The the other characters are more 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 detailed than the latent characters. Mm, like more realistic looking. Yeah, but it, it's pretty much. You can pretty much set count on it that it's something that level five has put together because yeah. they they're really good at that. Yeah. Um, but they look again. They look really nice. Um, what you unlock as bonus content also depends depends on how much uh, picarets uh, you collect the, oh, the, okay. the tokens from the latent games. The puzzles, yeah. Yeah, because also when completing like uh, the, the the witch trials or the the, the court segments, you also get picarets now. Oh, okay. So you need to be secure as possible and not to try ma- make too many mistakes. Right, so the better you do between those two game play modes, the, the more you unlock in the end. Yeah. Okay. And there's all yeah, there's always and if you're missing a puzzle there's always a way to to go to a special library and still play them. So you can still catch up on the picarets that you have potentially lost. Oh, like if you missed a, a puzzle or something, yeah. You can go yeah. back to it. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a very interesting game in that regard because um, the Professor Layton games I feel uh, while I like them has become a bit more stagnant and while it is a bit more easy in Professor Layton vs Phoenix Wright I find the scenarios that they're in kind of refreshing mm-hmm. and it, it, it's a it's a completely segmented world there's nothing that really makes this specific. Phoenix Wright or specific Professor Layton. Right. It, it, it is. It is really, and I mean really, its own thing, and that makes it also more stand out a bit more special as well. Right. And like to your point about Layton being kind of stagnant at this point, I would agree with that. But this seems like that would remedy that too by drastically changing up the gameplay every so often. You know, you're not just solving puzzles the entire game. Um, you know, once you switch to the Phoenix Wright stuff, you kind of get a break. And then when you go back to to the latent stuff, I, I bet it, it's kind of much more welcome than if you were just doing that straight through like a normal latent game. Definitely, I mean, it's it's a bit more on and off. It's a bit more on and off on and off approach in that sense. And mm-hmm. um, 
going back and forth between them, it, it creates also over a pace that you can kind of relax from, oh, for a while, I don't have to take these puzzles on anymore, or, right. oh, and I've had this very, very extensive trial, now it's time for some puzzles and looking around in the environments that, right. that, the, that the people behind the game have created. Sure. So it's a good way to, yeah, to kind of keep things interesting and, and break up the gameplay. Well, cool. Well, I don't really have any other questions. Do you have any uh, any final thoughts or anything? You last thing you want to say about the game? What what, what did you give it in your review? I gave it an eight point five in my review, and that's that's mostly because of the e- of the easier segments that has sure. been thrown in. Um, but regard going to my positives, really, because I personally feel that's more important in this sense. Um. Again, the presentation is wonderful. I mean, this I should we should possibly make one of the songs the the, the intro to the segment. But there's there's one particular song that I really really love, um, and that's when you walk nightly through town. It's a really amazing track. Okay, yeah, send me a link to it, and I'll I'll, I'll put it in here. Um, so the audio is stunning, the visuals are stunning. There's a well-crafted story in there, and there's there's love for both series equally. And again, exciting dynamic changes, and that what it's what makes this crossover work. I mean, they've put a lot of love into it, and that's what makes it matter. Um, this, if it was easy and nothing more than that, it would have been stagnant all the way through. But it, what makes it shine through and through is just the love. I mean, seeing um, in the first real case of the game, uh, Leighton and Phoenix both pointing their finger at the um, Inquisitors. That's that's kind of like the the people we have to fight against in this game during card cases. Mm-hmm. And saying, well, this person is contradicting. It's just an awesome moment. <laughs> J- just, just sheer awesome. And seeing these characters interact together... It it, it 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 it's so weird, but it works so surprisingly well. Mostly because both of these sides have a lot of humor in them, right? And that, they have a lot of witty moments, and seeing them both together makes the wittiness of it more really stand out. Um, and it's 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 just a for the rest part, despite the easy stuff, it's just a well balanced game. Sure, just fun to play. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, so if you live in Japan, Australia, or uh, Europe, uh, please enjoy this game. And if you live in North America, I guess just uh, hold on, hopefully just a little bit longer. Um, we're told it's 2014, um, but that's all we know. So you're, we'll you're, getting, you're, you're getting it in December. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it probably will come late. Yeah, I would not be surprised. You know, you know, with the, the, the surprising announcement that Tomodachi Collection is now definitely coming to Europe because it's now pretty much leaked. Mm-hmm. F- Frank's Frank's French trailer and leaked screenshots, <laughs> um, but um, I think when you guys get Professor Light vs. Phoenix White, we are getting to Madachi Collection. Yeah, we'll just always be one game behind. <laughs> yeah, it's about right. it, it's super weird how that works that way, but I think it it will happen. Yeah, cool. All right, well, Don, thank you for being here. Um, if you're interested in hearing more about Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. Uh, check out Don's review on NintendoBuildReport.com. I mean, there are two previews and a review up. Oh, so there's plenty. So yeah, yeah you've got and, you've got a lot and, of reading. And there's also uh, short gameplay clips of each 30 second each. Oh, there you go. Uh, so there's like a plenty of content there. Sure. So if you're still on the fence, uh, you can check that out. 
And um, we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. I am with Alex Kawafi. Hey, everybody. And Addison Webb, right? Webb? Webb, yep. Howdy. Okay. You just have W on here, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen <laughs> Webb on articles, so I'm just going to go out on a limb. Um, and uh, today we are going to be talking about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Um, as you probably know, we've talked about this game a couple times on the podcast, but this is going to be the kind of big finale, like, spoilers out there i mean as much as you can spoil a 2d platform uh platformer type game but spoilers everything everything's open game to talk about um so that's what we are going to be doing and i'm recording this from a brand new computer i just built this week so uh, i'm excited i don't know that you'll hear or notice any difference at all uh but editing the podcast today will probably go much faster as i've gone from like six gigs of ram to 20 so feeling pretty good about that if you're excited, we're excited. <laughs> good, good. Just had to get that out there. Um, so Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Let's talk a little bit about, I think, maybe our perceptions coming in. Um, what did you guys think about Donkey Kong Country Returns? Uh, I was a, a pretty big fan of it. I think I kind of, th- I, I felt like it was the best Nintendo published um, 2D platformer on the Wii. Uh, I think I like Rayman a little bit more, but of Nintendo stuff, I thought it, I thought it outshined the, uh, the kind of the 2D Mario series on the Wii, uh, Kirby, that kind of stuff. But w- what did you guys think about Returns? And did you play it on Wii or did you play it on 3DS? So you said Wii though. So you're specifically talking about Rayman Origins? You yes. liked more? Ah, oh, I think that is, you know what? All the more, the more the merrier. Uh, <laughs> everyone likes what they want. I'm not gonna pick a fight. You know, you know what I'll say now though. Having played Rayman Legends and going back to those Rayman Origins levels, I probably retroactively like Returns more than Origins. I think Origins at the time just felt kind of new to me. I mean, Donkey Kong literally felt like a sequel to Donkey Kong Country, whereas Rayman Origins felt felt very new to me. Um, but yeah, probably retroactively, I I, I probably you like know, Donkey Kong best. Like but... what you want? I'm not gonna pick a fight today. <laughs> I'm gonna be nice. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns is, in my opinion, well, uh, not in my opinion, it is factually my my <laughs> second favorite uh, Nintendo-published 2D platformer, and I guess 2D platformer in general, ever, behind the original Yoshi's Island. I thought that game was nearly perfect. I thought its live balance was a little out of whack, but it had the perfect physics to me. Like, I love how DK feels whenever he jumps on someone. Uh, I love the level design, I thought each level felt different, I thought each level had an original idea to offer. I felt like it was a very different game than uh, the original Donkey Kong Country games, because I felt that Returns was a much faster game, 
yeah. than the original Donkey Kong Country games. The original Donkey Kong Country games were very methodical, methodical, very, uh, every move was deliberate, when in returns, I like that you're always barreling forward. And I thought that was great. Uh, I like the speed, and I think the difficulty, especially on the temple stages, which they bring back in full force in this game, are nearly perfect. I love the difficulty in this game. I think it's really hard, but not too hard. It's not impossible to beat this game and, uh, and see, get nearly 100%, or I guess 100, like, 3%, <laughs> and uh, the average Donkey Kong Country games. Case. Yeah, um, to your, to your, to your point, I, I would agree that I think Returns, I, I'm not one of these people who thinks the original trilogy of Donkey Kong games, um, are like bad platformers by any means. I know there's that camp oh, that kind of say not. like, oh, people only like it because it looked good at the time, and you know they're not actually good games. I don't think that's the case. But Returns, I think, is a better platformer than those those original Donkey Kong Country games. I think um, like so. you said, there's a lot of momentum and, and forward movement. I mean, I, I just kind of remember so many Donkey Kong Country levels where it's like you're you're scaling vertically, and they were just very kind of slow and 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 very hard, but just kind of just slow and more methodical. And this this is kind of faster faster paced, I would say. Definitely. Uh, but Addison, what about you? How did you play Returns, and what did you think about it? I played it on the Wii. I actually wasn't a very big fan of Returns. I don't oh. know if I, I hold the original series in too high regard, but it just felt kind of soulless to me for some reason. Really? Just, a lot of the charm I felt was missing. I didn't like the Tiki's at all. Yeah, and, they're hit or miss for me, yeah. Yeah, I didn't like the Tiki's. Um, I just feel like you... Didn't get the same feeling that I got from playing that game. I didn't like how they did the multiplayer in the new ones. I just love that um, old style Donkey Kong multiplayer where one person like is kind of the, the tag team. Yeah, the tag team. I just played through that the whole original Donkey Kong Country like that with my brother. I just think that's just the best way to do platformer multiplayer, other than like New Super Mario. But you have to redesign all the stages to accommodate that and I just think when you're playing Donkey Kong especially these Donkey Kongs by uh, Retro Studios it just moves so quickly like we were talking about earlier somebody's just going to get left behind and I remember that's true Guillaume was talking about it in RFN last week just about how it just seems like you kind of have to watch out for the other person because no matter what, something bad is going to happen to someone. It's hard to well, that's up. true, and that's why, I mean, it's it's a godsend that they didn't try to do four-player right. <laughs> multiplayer. At least they limited it to two, but I agree with you. I mean, especially once the levels get harder, and it's the kind of... The levels get to a rhythm where it's like, when you land on a platform, you basically have to jump off of it because it starts crumbling, and so there's always this forward momentum, and it doesn't serve a game where two people are jumping separately, and, and one person might be faster than the other. Whereas I do think the the recent Mario games have been kind of designed with that in mind, save for like maybe the very final like bonus stages or something. But for the most part, levels are, are big enough um, to allow for for players of different skill and, and kind of just different movement in general. Right. Um, so I, I would agree with that aspect. Though I did play all of Returns cooperatively, as as I oh, did wow. with um, Tropical Freeze, but. Um, so okay, so going into Tropical Freeze, then um, I know I was stoked because. To me, I mean, Returns is great. Give me more Returns, and I'm good. Alex, you strike me as the kind of guy who would have cried that this is, like, a cash-in, and they're just reiterating on the same thing, and they're not doing something new. Was that was that where you were at? I think cash-in is a weird term to use for a game <laughs> that was in, assigned to Retro. Like, sure. I, don't, I don't think Retro is looking at the money bags here. I think Nintendo... Sure. 
is probably the one who saw, you know what, this is going to make more money than a Metroid Prime game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, I don't blame Retro for making uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. But I thought I was fully justified in uh, being concerned, skeptical, and, and somewhat down on this game when I saw it. Because based on the footage that it showed off and based on the previews I read, and, and I try to stay away from most previews, so maybe it was hidden there somewhere. The game did seem very uninspired. In interviews, it was basically like, yeah, this game didn't change that much. It's just, yeah, we added the barrels, we added the four characters, but so-and-so. And it yeah, didn't I, I would that much. I would kind of agree with that. I mean, the early footage we saw, it looked very similar. I mean, the Wii game already looked pretty good. So, I mean, it's nice it was in HD, but it wasn't, like, a vast improvement in my mind. Sure. Um, and then we had the whole, um, you know, VGAs where... You know, we thought we were going to get this big reveal, and then it was just Cranky Kong's in Donkey Kong. Which we Kong. found out earlier in the week through Right, leaks. right. Um, so that was a pretty big letdown, and so I think I think I can understand some skepticism there. So um, what what I uh, what I ended up doing was I was bummed, and I didn't play it for a few weeks because it, it was the early February, early March rush. There were so many games coming out, mm-hmm. and I didn't get around to it immediately. Eventually, I had a GameStop gift card. I... Uh, Spent fifty on the website to get a download code, okay. and uh, I, I ended up playing it. But we'll talk about the actual opinions in a second. Right. More, I'm more interested in your opinion, Addison, specifically right. because uh, it's it's cool if you just didn't get it, get into it at all, whatever. Dissenting opinion and whatnot. Uh, why did you get Tropical Freeze? Why why were you interested in Tropical Freeze? Especially since, by most accounts, this game seemed to be like more of the same. Sure. Well. The Wii U right now is my only next-gen, quote-quote, system I have, so library's sure. kind of thin. So <laughs> is you, you got to take games where you can get them, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And, I mean, I'm pretty much willing to give them a second chance. It wasn't that I didn't like the game. Like, I would have given it a good score if I had done a review on it. It just felt like the certain aspects of Donkey Kong that I remember loving from the original games just kind of were hit and miss in returns. And... I think the biggest thing for me is, man, those screenshots of, like, the Donkey Kong fur that first came out, I was just like, man, this is going to be the game that shows people what the Wii U can do power-wise. Mm-hmm. So I was just, like, blown away by those screenshots, which it sounds kind of stupid, but I was really excited about the graphics aspect, and I was glad they're adding you back in more characters. I was pretty bummed about the cranky thing, because I was pretty certain that they are going to announce the Majora's Mask remake. Oh yeah, awards, and I was all like ready for, to hear about that. My favorite games being remade in beautiful HD, and nope, Cranky Kong. So that kind of <laughs> gave me a little sour taste into it. But this is kind of nothing really else out there on the Wii U to play, and I knew it was going to be a quality game, and just kind of well, I'll give them a second chance. Sure. <laughs> That's a, a ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, I had nothing else to play. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Tropical Freeze comes out. Um, I pick it up. Obviously, well, I download it um, on that nice terabyte hard drive I have for my Wii U. And, um, it, you know, it kind of, I, I don't want to say it blew me away, because I don't know that it did necessarily anything new. But I guess I was taken aback by how much better it was than Returns. Um, and almost immediately so. Uh, I feel like just just the level design, and I, I can't really like pinpoint it, but I just feel like the levels were a little more inventive. 
um, did new things like kind of consistently between, you know, level to level and the music was fantastic. I mean, we'll probably talk specifically about that in a second. Uh, but I was just really, really impressed by it. And it didn't just feel like a level pack that looked a little bit better. It felt like, it felt like general forward movement, which I think is something, especially we haven't seen in sort of the, uh, the 2D Mario series. Um, and you know, some of the other 2D platformers that Nintendo and other people have released. Um, but Alex, what did, what did you think? I think it's a better game. I, and I begrudgingly think it's a better game. It took me a while to, uh, believe it was a better game. And I think that is in a large part due to the David Wise soundtrack. Uh, if you took out the David Wise soundtrack and you put in the Wii music, I think it would still be almost as good. I mean, it would still be a little bit better, but I think the music brings it to another level. It makes the game feel better. And I think it just, it's a great portrait of how music can be used to bring a game to a higher level. Because by itself, okay, so you got Cranky Kong, you got Dixie Kong, which are two very different uh, characters than Dixie and donkey which is which is great the level design is interesting the game looks amazing uh due to that i mean that lion king level especially <sighs> i know right <laughs> three three one like i will always remember three one in donkey kong country tropical freeze but i think it's the music that makes me uh smile it's the music that makes me smile the most because a lot of the game is otherwise similar if not slightly more creative but it's uh it felt like a better sequel than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, what about you, Addison, who was morely, mostly just excited about Monkey Fur? Like, how, <laughs> how did you feel when you played it? And did you play it co-op, or did you play it single-player? I played it single-player. Um, okay. I definitely think it's much improved over Returns. Uh, I like having more uh, buddies in the game. I like Dixie Kong a lot better, and I like Diddy. Diddy Kong was kind of one of my disappointments with Returns. It's just kind of like the little jetpack that kind of flutters out. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, Diddy Kong's got to be cooler than that. So I was a little disappointed with that. But yeah, Dixie's little hair twirl thing, it it definitely saves you in some tough spots. And I liked Cranky mm-hmm. a lot too. I mean, I love the DuckTales NES game, and that just brings back good vibes from that. Oh yeah, so for sure. That was awesome. Yeah, I love the... The Savannah levels, uh, it looked like Media Molecule had come in and made that one level with the giraffes. It just reminded right, me so much. Right, because they, they almost planet. look kind of like, they kind of look like puppets, right? I mean, right. yeah, I could, I could absolutely, yeah, that's a good comparison. So that was cool. Um, I love when you go into the water and levels, the music changes. I just <sighs> think so much of the ambiance in this game yeah. is just very well done. And the level design is very deliberate in this game. You, you can tell, like, through skills in each level that they want you to have mastered once you're later on in the game. And right. It, it's really a game that pushes you to get everything right. It's not very forgiving, and I really respect it and like it for that. Right. It's the kind of game where if you mistime a jump or get something wrong, you you pretty much die and just have to start, you know, the level or the section over. Um. So related to that, what did you guys think about the difficulty? And I guess I'm curious to related, you know, single to multiplayer um, cause from my understanding, there's actually ways to get a lot of extra lives and stuff in the single player, uh, using like some of the, like the buddy powers and stuff that I didn't really get a chance to use playing entirely cooperatively. Um, but 
yes. playing cooperatively, like I found the difficulty pretty much spot on. There were probably only a few levels where I had to like sort of just tell my wife, like, okay, like have you know, hop on Donkey Kong's back, and I'll just kind of beat this <laughs> level. For the most part, we were able to uh, play uh, play through all of it working together, which I thought was really good. Not that it wasn't challenging. We definitely stopped at Funky Kong's uh, shop a good handful of times and we're buying lives and stuff, especially for like the final boss and some of the final levels. But um, what what did you guys think? So uh, some people are saying that the game is slightly easier than Donkey Kong Country Returns. And I think there's reason to believe that since we've played a game of this before and we are familiar with this type of game. I mean, I played the 3DS one and the Wii one once each, uh, getting all the Kong letters. So I'm, I was fairly well versed by the time I got into this game. But I do think overall it is actually slightly harder than the original Donkey Kong Country Returns game. Uh, just the level design, it seems a little, uh, less forgiving. It seems like there's less stuff to grab onto, uh, especially on the Kong stages. In the, in the original one, there were usually places where you could stop and take a breather for a second. In this one, every single Kong stage, Kong Temple stage, is making you move constantly. And the bosses, especially, are not only more difficult than the original, but they're way, way better than the bosses in the original. Specifically because while the original were just like regular bosses, that were extent that were stretched out to uh, three rounds of hitting them three times. Every single boss in this world felt like it was testing you based on the stuff you had done in that world, like uh, especially the Fugu boss, the uh, the pufferfish. Oh yeah, uh, when he was obviously the boss in the world where you were swimming. I think that must have been World Four because it's always World Four. <laughs> that but, sounds uh, about right. <laughs> it's uh. It felt like that boss was specifically designed to test you around how well you could do everything. How well you could swim underwater and basically maneuver, which is a little tricky. It's it's actually really tricky. And then take the final boss, which was the uh, walrus guy, right? And yes. That boss, like, you might think of it as tough but slightly simple, but that boss basically tests you on everything you did in that game outside of the swimming. Because it's, it's having you jump in very specific ways, it's having you duck in very specific ways, it's having you throw and time your throws in very specific ways, and it's having you dodge just right the way that you were doing throughout the entire game. And especially, especially, especially... The very last Kong temple stages, like that seventh world, those three uh, levels, those felt like those were your final challenges. Like, they had you constantly moving forward, doing everything that Donkey Kong Country games make you do. And I think that's what this game does best. It it tests you in practical ways that most other platformers don't do anymore. Right. Uh, Addison, what about you? Yeah, I definitely think, hands down, that this is harder than Returns. I don't know if I've just gotten worse at 2D platformers since I played that game, but it just seemed to be so much more difficult to get through. And like Alex was saying, it just seems like everything that was stopping me, it was just like I'm realizing I'm just not understanding this mechanic in the game. It seemed like everything was very intentional, which I really liked about the level design. Um I knew I was in for something when I didn't get all four Kong letters on the first level the first time through. I was <laughs> right. like, okay, this, is, this isn't this is regular Donkey Kong. This might be a little more difficult. The thing, I mean, I really like that it's difficult, but 
I know I heard some people complaining that it kind of took away their fun from the game. It was just so difficult. And I wonder how they could maybe make it more approachable for other people. Like how they could possibly make that game easier without changing up the level design. They shouldn't. That's the answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be so uncompromising, but you have the new Super Mario Bros. series. You have Kirby. You have... Well, Metroid's not strictly a platformer, but it's got some platforming in there. You got uh, Mario 3D, and now you have Donkey Kong Country. There has to be at least one series that does what Donkey Kong Country does. Uh, the second you make it more approachable, and approachability isn't always a good thing because sometimes that sacrifices what makes the game so good in the first place. Like, there are parts of Donkey Kong Country that, uh, if you don't do well enough in the level, tough shit, you're not going to beat it. <laughs> uh, and it's great that there's a, still a Nintendo game that does that. If you want a pussy Mario platformer, you get a new pussy Mario platformer every single goddamn year. Just let me have my Donkey Kong. That's all I want, guys. You know, to to your point, and I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, of something like Rayman Legends, I wonder if this sort of issue could be alleviated. And I guess you can do this a little bit, I think, in... Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, but if you had the ability to sort of maybe skip past levels that you were struggling with, um, you know, I think of Legends where you kind of have the option to, to play levels in any order you want and, um, you know, entirely skip levels, I think up to the end where you have to have a certain number of, you know, looms or whatever to, to unlock, like, the final section, but maybe that that kind of option would help, so if there's just something specifically you can't do, like a rocket barrel level, for instance, like, maybe if you could just move past it and worry about it later, but but keep progressing... Um, it is kind of old school in that, well, once you're here, if you can't beat that level, well, that's kind of, that's it, then you're, you're pretty much stuck. Um, there's two sides to that, uh, coin though, because there is the side, it's my content, I should enjoy it any way I want. But then there's the other side that, uh, I kinda don't like when that option is allowed because I think part of the game's pressure is knowing that if you can't do this, you're never going to see the rest of the content. And a lot right. of fun comes from knowing that there's no way around this. And once you beat it, it just feels so good. You just feel that load off your back. Like, there's the uh, the EXP share that was in the new Pokemon X and Y game. People were like, oh, it's optional. Why do you have to care? I have to care because I automatically have that. That is always an option I have. And because of that, much of the tension gets erased immediately, regardless of whether I use it or not. Because I always have the option. And... I think, I think Donkey Kong Country, for it to be Donkey Kong Country, can never make those compromises. Uh, I think the Super Guide is probably the farthest it can ever go, which is kind of like what you're talking about, but it limits like the rewards you can get. See, was that was that even a thing? Because I I don't think that was available in they multiplayer. I never saw that. It wasn't it wasn't available in Tropical Freeze. Okay, I didn't they think so. Out. Yeah, I didn't think so. So yeah, even something like that. Um... You know, or at least an item that could make you, yeah, like, invincible to kind of get through a level more easily. Although I find it's not really damage that you have to worry about. It's falling, so I guess that really wouldn't do you any good. True. Um, maybe if you could have, like, Tanuki Donkey Kong. Yeah. <laughs> just just fly through levels. What if they um, did give them suits, though? Like, that, that would be a new, weird, fun thing, because Donkey Kong never had suits. And uh, now if you have the Kongs, and then let's say there's a fire suit. Now when Cranky Kong pogo sticks, he has a trail of fire <laughs> that goes under the pogo stick. Well, maybe that could be like a, a way to like combine sort of the um, the animal buddies who aren't really as present in this game apart from Rambi. 
yeah. and like Donkey Kong. So it's like you pick up like an ostrich suit, and then all of a sudden you're like running faster or whatever. Um, and I guess that would bring it one step closer to every other uh, right. Nintendo. Series. Yeah, let it let it be its own thing. Yeah. Um, now that was something I was a little disappointed in was the the use of Rambi. Um, not that I wanted like overdone. But I felt like he wasn't in there a ton, and I, I did miss some of the other uh, animal buddies. What did, what did you guys think? Bring back Winky the Frog. <laughs> the frog was cool. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to go like that. I mean, especially in the water levels, I just kept thinking, like, man, like, the, the swordfish would be awesome here. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like they knew Super Mario Bros. weed it, and in the sense that uh, Yoshi was in that game for roughly two or three levels almost exclusively in the first world. And I don't think it was that bad for Rambi, but it was basically three to five levels total in the game that he's uh, segregated to. And that is not great unless you're going to put in other animal buddies, but they did not. And I, th- I thought their approach was a little different too, um, in that in I feel like the original Donkey Kong games the Animal Buddies, while they did make levels easier, they were kind of a reward. A lot of times there would only be one in a level. It was very rare that levels were built around the idea that you had to have the Animal Buddy the whole time. But I feel like in Tropical Freeze, like levels were specifically set up where you had to use Rambi the whole time. So there were always crates with extra Rambis and right near checkpoints and stuff like that. Um, so I think the approach was just a little different. It wasn't just like a neat reward you could find in a level... I was kind of, like, mandatory to, to complete the platforming challenge. Yeah, that last level in the game before the final boss where you have Rambi, it almost turns it into an endless runner. You just gotta right. keep going. And there was times where I... There weren't enough Rambi crates, and I would jump off of them and be like, well, I'm just gonna have to jump in the lava and start back over again. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So... I don't know, just, I mean, it doesn't necessarily really bother me or detract from the game, I think, but it's that kind of once you introduce those animal partners again, all I can think is I just want all of them back, um, or at least some of the kind of more noticeable ones, especially the swordfish in the water. I just kept thinking these levels would be so much nicer to have, <laughs> to have that, um, so I was kind of surprised by that. Um, there's something else I, I, oh, I had a point I was going to make earlier. And now I've... Oh, um, let's talk extra content a little bit, since we're, we can go full spoiler. I assume all of us have unlocked the, the extra hard mode? Yep. Did you, did you get that answer? I did not. Okay. Um, so, well, spoiler, there's an extra hard mode. Um, <laughs> I've heard. Getting all the Kong letters unlocks secret levels, and then you beat all those levels, and then, and then you basically get it. Well, um, all of them is basically three secret levels, which is one thing I was a little bummed by. I was hoping it would be the three levels and then, uh, like, a world on top of that. Like, in the concept art, there was one world that never happened that was basically focused on Donkey Kong going to the moon. Oh, really? Yeah, it's 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 one of the unlockable uh, things in the concept art gallery where it was, like, uh, world on the moon, question mark. And it was like uh, that. That obviously never happened. And oh, that, that would be cool. Out. I guess maybe they saw that that Mario 3D Land or 3D World did that and just thought, well, I guess. Maybe well, I think we they saw that, that Ducktales did that. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> another nod to Ducktales. <laughs> um, yeah, that would have been that would have been pretty cool. But um, I, I agree with you, Alex. Like once I beat all the kind of the secret levels in each of the worlds you already have, I thought we were it was gonna be like a whole new world with like you know five to seven levels, and you get the three, and they are hard. Um, but once you beat those, then you just unlock the super hard mode, which kind of does nothing for me because it, it kills the multiplayer aspect of it. You can't do it cooperatively anymore. Sure. Um, I guess, Addison, I don't know if you, you know how it works, but basically there are 
Right, one heart. There are no animal, are no um, you know, partners whatsoever, and um, you can't you use can any choose, items. You can choose which Kong. So basically, uh, especially if you only play single player, you can play as only Cranky or only Dixie or only Diddy, and they do feel slightly differently from Donkey Kong, especially due to their different hitboxes. Yeah, and that aspect's kind of cool. I, I, that's something I missed too. I kind of wish playing with my wife that like. I could have been Diddy and she could have been Dixie rather than me having to always be Donkey Kong. But I get like that the whole point is that the partners can jump on the back and, of Donkey Kong and do different things, but still something I would have liked to have been able to do. Um, and even the extra hard mode, I kind of wish, well, why not just let both of us play as whatever Kong we want now with, with one heart? Like even that would have been an improvement. So I just, I just wish in these, this extra content, and it was the same with returns. You got, you unlocked the same mode in returns. I just wish they'd consider multiplayer a little bit when they have this whole extra mode that now like, I mean, I guess I could play single player, but it's it's not really something that attracts me. Well, it was mirror mode in returns, I think. Well, and there and the the extra hard one heart no no Diddy Kong kind right. of stuff too. That was all in there too. Yeah. So I don't know. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I really like this game. Um. I sincerely hope that some kind of DLC content is maybe in the works, even though I know it never will be. Um, I guess I shouldn't, shouldn't say never, because I think, uh, New Super Luigi U kind of illustrates that they are considering these types of things. Right. Um, so I would love to see extra, extra levels for this game. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I just yeah. don't want it to be over, and we don't know what Retro's doing next, but they're probably, well, <laughs> hopefully moving on to something new. I mean, I, they've done great work here, but they're a great studio. They, they can do something besides 2D platformers at this point. Yeah, it, uh... You know, it, it may sound crazy because I did say a little while ago that Donkey Kong Country Returns is one of my favorite platformers, but in, even though I did certainly enjoy uh, Tropical Freeze a lot, I wouldn't mind if either they put this series down for 10 years or if this was the revival. Like, I uh, I think I got enough of this kind of Returns game. Like, I, I'll probably go back one day and play both of them once or twice again. I don't need a Donkey Kong Country Returns 3. I I think this is enough. And, like, I feel full. Right? Yeah, I'm the same way. That's what I'm saying. Just give me some level packs or something. Downloadable content. That I would take. But, yeah, don't devote a whole other couple of years to making a new one. At least not immediately. I mean, let sure. Retro move on to something new. And, um, maybe yeah. Maybe let just, Monster just... make it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe hand it off to someone else now. I, I don't know. Um, but, I don't know. We'll We'll see. I think Retro needs to go to Tokyo and teach the new Super Mario Brothers team how to do bosses, because it's just, <laughs> That's true. those boss fights in Tropical Freeze are great, and I'm so glad that it just wasn't three bops on the head. Well, right, yeah, you kind of never really know how much to hit. I mean, you kind of get warnings, because the bosses will get mad and change color, so you know you're making progress, but you never really know how much damage it's going to take. And they're just more unpredictable. I mean, as you're doing more damage, they change up their patterns and their their attacks and things like that. Whereas you just don't get much of that in uh, in any of the the new recent Mario games. Yeah, it's uh, it, we haven't had bosses this good in a Nintendo platformer in a very long time. Yeah, I would agree with that absolutely. So I guess that's it for Tropical Freeze. Um, I think I think it's a fantastic game. And if for some reason you haven't played it and you've listened to all this, I mean, I, I would, at this point, I would think we persuaded you, but I would give it a shot. Even if you were kind of, uh, down on returns, uh, sort of like Addison was, I think, I think this is just a better game. 
and it, it's something worth playing uh, for sure. It's a must-have if you have a Wii U. I don't think you need to own a Wii U for this game. You don't need to rush out and buy a Wii U specifically for this. But if you have a Wii U, if you really want something to play on this, <coughs> you could do way worse than this game. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, that will do it. Um, so you, the listener, be sure to comment and let us know what you think about Tropical Freeze or email, and we'll uh, read it on a future episode. Uh, that's connectivity at NintendoWorldReport.com. Um, Addison, Alex, thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Scott. Yep, no problem. And uh, we will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, and that will do it for episode 127 of Connectivity. As always, you can send your listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Uh, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. And you should follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com, look for the Twitter sidebar on the right-hand side of the page, and you'll find all of our usernames there. We will see you next week.